everybody, welcome back to Beyond the Gate, our Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Meg. And today we're covering episode 20, Father Before the Grave. Yes, um, in this episode, Hohenheim's visit ends with a grave warning to Pinaco, but Ed finds hope among the charred ruins of his childhood. Now more than ever, he has confidence that Al can return to his body. Yes, this episode uh, covers manga chapter 42, The Father Standing Before a Grave, chapter 43, River of Mud, and chapter 44, The Unnamed Grave. Very ominous titles. Yeah, I know. They're all kind of of serious. Morose. Yes. Well, let's just jump right into it. We don't really have uh, anything else to discuss. (laughs) (laughs) So we start the episode um, off where the last one ended, where Ed has seen these um, Hohenheim at the grave, and he is very Ed is very angry. Uh, I find it I find it interesting that the last episode ended with him saying Hohenheim when the the normal like the conventional cliffhanger for a lot of these types of shows in this kind of genre would be for him to say father or dad or something like mm-hmm. that. But no, Hohenheim. And, you know, yep. some of the viewers might be confused, like, is that his father? We thought that was his father. But Ed yeah. doesn't call him. I mean, him. you can just tell right away that he has no respect for his dad and is very <laughs> angry angry at him. Um, And he kind of, he just kind of chews him out um, as soon as he sees him and I don't know, his Tonheim is very, like, he just kind of stands there, and he has, like, pretty much no reaction. Like, one of the first things he says is, like, looks like you've gotten taller. Um, <laughs> it's and, it's funny. Uh, he's, well, cannot be bothered, really. But mm-hmm. in the manga, he has more of, like, a spaced-out look. Um, and he says, you've gotten bigger. And Ed goes, why phrase it like a question? And Hohenheim says, you've become quite famous in Central City. The smallest state alchemist in history, right? And Ed just shrieks, the youngest! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny because that's what happened in the manga. He's That's what he does. But in when Hohenheim like, looks like you says, like, he looks like you've gotten taller, Ed has like no reaction i mean like he you can tell he's mad but like he doesn't scream like every other time that anyone's ever made any reference to his height and then uh honheim asks asks him about human you know doing the human transmutation and he's accused that of burning, burning down his home and ed is like well we we did it because we didn't want to you know it was a symbol of no turning back we're on a mission. And Hohenheim immediately is like, nope, that's not why you did it, because you were running away. Um, and it and it wasn't a um a resolution. And Ed is I don't know, this moment he's very much a son. He's like, You don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's even funnier in the manga, and we're going to have to post this to our Instagram, but there's a panel where Ed is walking away, and Hohenheim notices that he has his hair in a ponytail. It's like, oh, you're growing your hair out. It looks like mine, because Hohenheim has a ponytail. And Ed just, like, whips his head around, starts angrily braiding his hair instead, and then mm-hmm. gives him, like, a snarl and keeps walking. 
Yeah, so needless to say, he is not a fan of his father. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we cut to Ed sleeping. And first of all, he looks very sweet. And also his hair is like down and it's just like cascading was, over the pillow. Yeah, it was just beautiful. And I was very jealous. I was like, You oh, don't have God. hair like that. Yeah, I'll <laughs> never have hair like that. My hair looks uh, totally gross when I'm sleeping. It gets tangled. <laughs> yeah. And it's not as long as Ed's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I don't know. It was just jealous and I was like, I just want to touch it. And that's what <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's what Hohenheim tries to do. He he like <laughs> I not not because he thinks Ed's hair is beautiful, but just uh, more of a fatherly thing. Um Yeah, like, you know what? I've noticed that dads always try to touch their kids' heads in a loving way. Like mm-hmm. when when you you have to like pay attention to this next time you're with your dad, but if he gives you a hug, does he cradle the back of your head when he hugs you? Because I never noticed that before, but as I watched more shows and even animated shows, I would notice when a dad would hug his son or daughter, there was always like that head holding part of it. Kind of like, you know, when you're a baby and they say support the head. And so Mm -hmm. the next time I was back home and my dad gave me a hug, I was like, he touched the back of my head. He cradled my head. So, Mm. and like when my mom hugs me, she just kind of like pats my back. So it's like the difference between mothers and fathers. And I don't think that's like always the case, but I thought it was interesting that it happens that often that in, they would put that in animation. I, yeah, I guess I've noticed that in, in animation because then there's also like where sometimes they'll like reach out and like ruffle their kid's hair mm-hmm. um, in a loving way. Yeah. Anyway, Hohenheim doesn't actually touch, touch Ed's head. Um, he's, I think he's kind of, I don't know. He probably is one is afraid to, <laughs> and also like he maybe doesn't think that he deserves to. Um, but then we see that Ed was actually awake when Hohenheim came in. Then Panaco and Hohenheim are talking, and it's kind of funny. Like Dan is kind of he didn't seem to be a big big fan of Hohenheim. He's like growling and yeah, like growling <laughs> in the corner. Yeah, he's. He knows what's up. Um, Panaco tells Hohenheim that um, Trisha waited for him to come back till the end, which is, I don't know, kind of sad. Yeah. Then Hohenheim asks an interesting question if what the boys had during the human transmutation, if they actually had transmuted Trisha. Um, and Panaco is like, well, I didn't really look because I was, you know, I just wanted to, you know, bury bury it and forget about it um and ed ed hears honeheim asking this and he's horrified like he's like what if what they transmuted wasn't even their mother then we head back to central um al yeah away from away from um that possibly startling revelation um al is telling ling about how his soul was bonded bonded to the armor and Ling is very excited because he's like wow you don't have to eat you don't have to sleep you're practically invincible I I like their conversation in the manga because if you'll remember uh Ling sort of had a little heart-to-heart with Ed and Al earlier in the anime and that was when he revealed that he's a prince a prince of Shing um but in the manga 
that conversation actually happens right now between him, Al, and Winry. So Al is aware that Hohenheim is in Risen Bowl right now. So he and Ling have that talk about their fathers. And Ling reveals he's a prince. And in this version, Winry and Al are the ones who break into a laughing fit when they realize Ling is a prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And it's and it's also funny because like Ling like proposes to Winry. He's like, you could be a princess. <laughs> You're very beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty funny, and it's a good thing that Ed wasn't there to hear that, because... He would have clocked him. Yeah. Then, so Ling is excited about Al's, quote-unquote, immortality, um, but Al says it's probably not, and he tells them then about his revelation that we heard in the last episode, that his body may reject his soul. Um, but then Ling is like, well, it can just be moved to a new body, and he's like, it's so awesome. And he's super excited about it. And Winry gets very angry. And she says, it is not awesome. Um, and then she storms off. And it's kind of funny because she she uh, throws herself on her bed um, and looks very much like, I would say, a Disney princess. Because yep. that's like, I don't know if you've seen that meme, but like, yes, yeah, <laughs> where like all the Disney princes like dramatically throw themselves on like on top of a chair, a couch, a bed, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sob dramatically. Um, yeah, and actually, one one more thing in that I found interesting in the in the manga is when Ling is talking about how he needs immortality. Um, it's actually revealed that he doesn't. He's not really necessarily searching for immortality. He just needs the illusion of it. Um, because he wants to, because he thinks that finding the key to immortality will, will improve his chances of actually becoming emperor. Um, if he, if he tells his father, who's emperor right now about immortality, but he doesn't actually want to know how to become immortal because then if his father becomes immortal, then he'll never become the emperor. Yeah. So, (laughs) but he, he's. Which I found kind of interesting because I don't think they ever like clarify that in in the anime that like he's not really searching for immortality. He doesn't um, really want it for himself. He just wants the information because knowledge is power. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I kind of I I don't know. I like. And that was always a question that I guess that I had when I was watching this. I was like, okay, but if he gets immortality and then shares it with his his the emperor, then. Yeah, he'll never he'll never be emperor because the emperor will live forever. But reading the manga, I was like, okay, that makes more sense. But anyway, uh, Al goes after after Winry, um, and he's like, you guys, you and Ed, between you and Ed, I never get the chance to be mad. And Al is, I don't know, he's he's always just so sweet. Um, yeah, Winry is like has a little flashback of um al after after the boys have committed transmutation and al is in is in his new body and can't sleep yeah it's uh there's there's a bit more to it in the manga where he's Mm. he's discovering what his body can't do like he can't feel temperature differences he can't eat he can't sleep and he has a quote that i found really relatable for some reason he said 
each night feels as if it's never going to end. It makes me feel it. It makes me think about things that I shouldn't. Like mm-hmm. if you ever had a night where you can't fall asleep, your mind will go to dark places or embarrassing yep. places or Ugh. anything in between. Yeah, I feel like that's when I can't fall asleep. That is when my mind is the weakest. Yeah, you should never make a big decision when you're tired or late at night. Um, a lot of people have made mistakes, I think, by making a rash decision because they didn't get enough rest. Mm-hmm. And speaking from experience, that that is true. Don't make a decision till the morning. Yeah, but I also I will say sometimes I do have my greatest ideas in the middle of the night, oh, and then mm-hmm. I forget them. Oh, yeah. Or like I just have like a, uh, like wait, I had this good idea for this thing that I needed to do, and then it's kind of the worst. Keep but, a little notebook by your bed. And I'm not supposed to do this, but I do it anyway. I sleep with my phone next to my <laughs> next to my bed, which oh, a lot of people do. So I will sometimes like jot down a note on my phone if I remember something. And then also like in the morning, you don't necessarily have to, if it's like about making a decision. You can just like go back to your note and be like, okay, was this a good idea or right. was this just my like brain? deprived craziness? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, it would be terrible to be, yeah, I wouldn't want to be Al in, mm. in that situation. The only thing, I guess, okay, if you could never sleep and like everybody else was, what would you do with, with that time? Well, I read a book series once where it was like a superhero type series. Um, and one of the characters, her superpower was that she didn't need sleep. And she learned how to do like everything. Like she was really into science. So she would do inventions when people were sleeping. She learned martial arts. She learned like dart throwing. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, I would finally do all the things I'm like, oh, I've been meaning to do that, but I don't have time. Yep, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> I would, yeah, learn all the things that I that I wanted to do, and I'd also do a lot of reading. Yes, It'd be pretty great. Except, I'd probably look at the stars quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd like ooh, stargazing. You know, I've never, never actually been star. Actually, okay, that's not true. I have been stargazing one time, and it was, <laughs> it was like we, it was like. I went out with my youth group um, to the, like the middle of a frozen lake. It was like probably like zero degrees out, <laughs> and we laid on the on the ice and looked at the stars. That's and like amazing. <clears throat> okay, yes, it was very beautiful, but it was so cold. I like couldn't even like. <laughs> I could barely comprehend like what I was looking at because all I was thinking <laughs> was like I need to get back inside. I need a warm cup of hot cocoa in my hands. I'm about <laughs> to die. <laughs> oh, no. So it yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the magical experience that I would have wanted. But <laughs> back to the story. Ed is uh. In still in Risenbool, um, he's having a dream. So right after we see like Al being being sad, um, Ed is having this dream that he's like 
um, say, give me my brother's body back, like give him back to me. Um, and truth is accusing him of truth accuses him of like, you're the one that gave your, your brother's body up. You toss him aside and shoved him in this piece of armor. And then he compares He's compared to Shao Tucker. We see Shao Tucker and and Nina. And then um, also his his mother or what he thinks is his mother. And he's like, bring me back. You know, bring me back, Ed. Um, And it's a very scary dream. And then he he wakes up and Hohenheim is leaving. And Ed refuses to say goodbye to him. Um, And... As as Hohenheim is leaving, Pinaco, um, well, first, Hohenheim takes a picture of his family, which you're like, okay, maybe he's not the worst. <laughs> um, he wants a, a family photo to take with him, so he must care about them. Yeah, he must sense. care a little. Um, but then he also warns uh, Pinaco that some really terrible things are going to happen in the country and she should leave. And she. Honestly, like one of my favorite reactions ever. She's like, meh. Like, <laughs> I. Like just, the mom like, from Despicable Me. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's like, oh, this country sucks anyway. Like, bad things happen all the time. What, what, what could possibly be so bad that I would need to leave? Um, or like, I'm staying here this this is my home. Yeah, and she and... does and she does say I don't she might say in the anime, she does she says that in the manga where um she's like there's people that need this place. Yeah, for know, their auto mail. And and like this is a home to to other people. Yeah, for so, Emil to come back. Yeah. To. Yeah. And Winry too. Sweet. And she tells Hohenheim not to be a stranger and he sends him on his way. And then Ed Besides, he needs to dig up that thing. Um, they, he and Panaco head out to the side of their home to dig up the body that they transmuted. Um, and it's honestly like this scene. I don't know. It's it's terrible, but also it's so powerful. I don't know. I I, I really liked it. Um, so first, Ed, Ed we see Ed. Some things he has to deal with when he's because of his automail, his stumps are achy because of because of the the rain. And he's like, while he's digging, he keeps like stopping to like throw up, and it's yeah making him very sick. And okay, I think part of it is yes, it's his stumps are achy, but also like just what he is doing. Oh, for like, sure, the emotional backlash of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we can't ignore the physical aspects because earlier. In the manga and the anime, there was that one episode where he woke up and uh, he's holding his leg and he says, it hurts. And if you notice in the background of that scene, it's starting to rain. So it mm-hmm. this has happened before. And you'll hear stories of people in real life saying like, um, you know, like if they got a metal hip or like a joint or something replaced and, and they say, oh yeah, I can feel changes in temperature. Mm-hmm. Or like if you have, this is completely different but if you have like a permanent retainer and you feel it zing the metal zing when you hit something cold or open your mouth in the winter <laughs> <laughs> that's the closest i'm ever gonna get to that feeling 
but um that you know of yes that i know of oh my word <laughs> i'm not i'm not planning on losing any uh. but <laughs> but anyway um the other thing about this scene is it is very powerful and i love it uh the voice acting is very impressive i mean mm-hmm. like the gagging noises that come out of yeah. Ed are just very realistic actually um and just there's like the the dramatic music you know and mm-hmm. beautiful and just like yeah there's like a lot of a lot of emotion behind behind yeah. the words and that he's especially saying. the art in the manga we were just talking about it it yeah. it is impactful yeah it's it's great um but anyway while while ed is ed is struggling panako i don't know panako is just a, she's just a great in this scene she's just like a solid supporter like she does like keep telling him to stop but he's but it's very determined to go on and so she just keeps working alongside him and then they finally get to get to the body and ed pulls out hair and the hair's black and his mother's was he says chestnut brown and then also you can just see like the like the femur bones are like huge and also panaco says that the that the pelvis is male and so it's like for sure it was not trisha um and at first like panaco is like i'm so sorry this is terrible like you boys went through all this pain um and suffering for nothing but then ed i don't know he's He's, he's kind starts, of a crazy laugh. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does like that that crazy like hysterical laugh. Um and he's actually at first I think he is like wow, this is for nothing, but also at the same time he realized he realizes that it's, it's impossible to bring the dead back to life. Um but he also realizes that realizes that Al can probably be returned to nor- normal. For sure, um, because his, well, he will, he'll, he'll get into it later. Yeah, but and it's um, it's this great scene where Ed is relieved because, mm-hmm. for I mean, for all the, the hardship they went through, and seemingly for nothing, at least now he has this concrete truth to hold on to, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's all you need in a moment of of panic or uncertainty is one like like you wrote in the notes one undeniable truth to have and to hold so that you don't go crazy yeah yeah because he before he's that is like this transmutation was a symbol of despair but now i know it's kind of turned into a symbol of hope that yes it might be possible to bring hell hell back for real and Ed also calls Azumi and asks if the child that she transmuted was actually hers. And she doesn't answer. She just hangs up on him. But we'll get back to that later. Um, and Panako and Ed visit the Rockbells. Well, actually, I don't. I'm pretty sure they do this in anime, but they they bury. They, oh yeah, they they bury the, they the give, thing that they, they transmuted. Yeah, they give the thing a proper burial. And Ed, at least in the manga, he he saw the thing the thing that he transmuted looked at him, so he know he knows it had it had life, and so it it deserves it deserves res- 
respect and so they they bury it and Pinaco at first is like she's like oh this this boy is using the the definition of human life a little loosely but no he has to because if he Mm. thinks that this thing isn't alive then like what does he think of his brother who doesn't even have a body you know Ed respects the sanctity of life so much Mm -hmm. and that is powerful for a protagonist to have yeah it is so they bury they they give that thing a proper burial. It's very I don't know. I it's very sweet. And yeah, I like I like that he he respects life. Um and then they and then Ed and Panaco visit the Rock Bells graves and Ed tells Panaco about what he learned, um, what happened with the his fallens and how how they helped people. Well and I'm not, they don't really specify in the anime, but, um, we don't know if in the anime Ed told her that they died by Nishvalin's hand, but in the manga, Ed makes sure to tell her where they died, but not how. He couldn't bring himself to tell her that the very people they were helping, one of them killed the Rockbells. Yeah. And then also, Panako gives Ed a message to pass to Hohenheim from his mother that she couldn't keep her promise. And so, Ed very confused and he very much does not want to pass on the message but he says he will and then he heads back to central and once he arrives there he is very shocked um because al is very badly you know he was destroyed in the fight with um in the fight with lust and also ling is is um stuffing his face presumably on yeah presumably on on um ed's um charging it to ed and ed immediately kicks ling out <laughs> uh also just quickly in this moment i think i'm pretty sure i noticed that ed is getting taller it seemed like he was like a, about the same height as winry um maybe sl- maybe just a little bit shorter interesting interesting the, little fact there yes yeah, interesting little fact there um and then um he Ed tells Al about digging up the grave, and at first Al is like, "Why would you do that? Like that's terrible." And but then Ed goes on, but Ed asks Al about um, the memory of fighting over marrying Winry, um, and you know if he if he remembered remembered that, and Ed takes that as proof that that Al's soul really is intact because he has right. memories from before. Yeah, and he um, confirms it with Winry, and she says she has that memory as well. So mm-hmm. just, he's like, I don't think he ever had any doubt, but he's like, he's a scientist, so, you know, you have to have, you have to have proof there. So he's like, all right, you both remember something that I don't, so that's proof that it is Al's soul in the armor. And in the manga, <laughs> it's really funny, because Al and Winry go on to detail a lot of other things they did or said to Ed that he doesn't mm-hmm. remember it's really funny because a lot of the words are blurred out, so they did yeah. some pretty terrible things to him. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and then um, Ed asks Al what he what he remembers um, from being in the portal, and Al remembers that truth unraveled him, and he remembers grabbing his own hand, which we saw in um, in the earlier episode, and that he finally tells um and that he was looking looking at him from that thing's body 
but then his soul reject, was rejected from that body. Um, and so the boys kind of conclude that Al's body is in the portal and they can pull it out. Um, and in in the in the manga, they kind of go into a little bit more detail. Ed theories that human beings are composed of the body, soul, and spirit. And obviously Al's soul is um, is in the armor. And then they think his body is in the portal and the, his spirit is what is connecting his his body to the soul, which is which is interesting because I always think like the spirit and the soul are like kind of interchangeable things. things. Yeah. yeah. Like I would I would say you have your your body and then your your consciousness and then your soul. Well, it's interesting that I, they think there's like a trinity to it. Yeah, I, and like, like what would even be like? I would like to. They didn't specify, but like, what would be your the difference between your spirit and your soul? So the like, spirit is the thing that com- connects the soul to the body. So there has to be a yeah. a tie to both of them to keep it together. Yeah. So it's the go between. Something like that. But, you know. Yes, gonna... but, like, what even is that? I don't know. I, I don't know. They're going to get into more of that. Maybe the next episode or one of the later ones. Because I think Ed has, like, a battle plan in mind for, for getting Al's yes. body back. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that, the nitty-gritties of that later. Yes, we will. Um, But then, while they're having this conversation, they get inter- interrupted. Because Izumi has called Ed back and says that the baby that she transmuted wasn't hers um and that kind of that is like the final nail in the coffin that like death is permanent um and there's no way like they could once somebody is dead and their soul has left their body you can't you can't bring them back and then she thanks ed and the the reason why she does that is because both Azumi and the boys and and the Elrics think that they had killed their loved ones a second time. Um, they are uh, relieved to, to know that they didn't, which I totally get. That would be honestly, to be honest, until I like watch this episode. Episode I like didn't even think of that because mm. I never, for one second, thought that the thing that they had transmuted was their mother. So like that was like not even a thought that had crossed my mind. Um, but when they said it, I was like, Oh, I guess I could see how you would think that. It would bring bring them back to suffer in that mm-hmm. body that couldn't hold them. Yeah. Boy. Mm-hmm. And so then, they just made they just made meat sacks basically with no yeah. soul inside. Gross. Gross. <laughs> Well, Mustang did the same thing with. Like, yeah, he the, did, the, but he wasn't. Yeah, but he didn't try that to. That wasn't like, human put a transmutation. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, and then Al, I don't know. I, I really like his speech, but I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Basically, he tells Ed that at first he didn't want to get his body back if he means that someone else will get hurt, and because of all the people that he's met along the way on this journey, like um uh all the chimeras and then Barry like he learned like oh I could I could be happy and like find meaning in this life being in this body um and he didn't want to watch anyone else suffer so he thought that might be the answer but it's 
it's really sad because he doesn't he wants to be human again because he doesn't want to spend any more nights alone um <laughs> yeah i really oh you know yeah. the what the kicker in this scene though is when he looks up at ed and says the lines i i can't spend another night alone the light hits his armor and it's like right under mm-hmm. his eyes so it looks like he's crying yeah yeah it's it's a really it's just a very powerful scene and it uh gets me and so they they decide that they're going to get their that they're going to get his body back and they're they're both kind of like they're very excited to do that um and they're ready to get back to work and now that they've made this realization that Al's body is likely in the portal they they know they have a direction that they can go finally. I think they have been kind of lost these last few episodes. Yeah, like, they were pegging everything on the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And now that they can't use that, now they have an actual place to start from. Mm-hmm. And then after they kind of like, this whole scene like happened on the on the, on the staircase and they like run up the staircase and then we see that Henry, that, that what? That Winry. <laughs> we see that Winry was um, listening to their conversation and then she like uh she the last line of the episode's like she notices that Ed's shoulders are getting more buff. No, that's not what she <laughs> says. She says, Were his shoulders always that broad? And okay, oh, yeah. okay, before the shippers go nuts, yes, this is a shipping moment. It is totally her checking him out. But <laughs> but it's the also first time, like the first time watching this, since that wasn't confirmed for us and we didn't wanna get too far into that. We were like, oh, she's noticing he's growing up. He looks more yeah. capable. Yeah, I think that is I think that is part of it. Like, one, she's checking him out, but also like, yeah, she's definitely she's noticing that he's getting older and more mature and like It's a weird yeah. realization to have about someone you're really close to. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is true. But yeah. I feel like there's a lot of those scenes in like shows where or like movies and stuff where like they the guy and the girl like they grow up together and then they're like yeah. best friends and then one day they're really like oh i'm in love like what <laughs> <laughs> all right now that the episode is done we are going to go to voice actor notes and we're just going to do von hohenheim today he is played by john swayze who also plays all for one from my hero academia hate that guy um dallas zachary from attack on titan and coach nekamata from haikyuu war, war. Um, just kidding so, i don't i don't honestly except for um coach yukai i don't love i don't really love any of the other coaches in haikyuu coach nekamata, i like him all right i think yeah. he's cool i just like nekama so i don't know i just like old guys talking about volleyball like, <laughs> analyzing the game and you know i had a you know i had a lot of lot, a lot to say about um um shir torizawa's coach. oh yeah he's not he's mean he's crotchety <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but anyway um so his first name vaughn it's spelled v-a-n uh from what I could find, it's of Danish origin. It means from the origin of. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I equate it to like de in Spanish, which means of. So like Vaughn is like an of term, I guess. 
And then Hohenheim is actually a really important last name. So I've I've heard this elsewhere, but apparently the mangaka got this name from an actual alchemist. So mm. this the source for this quote is from Britannica, but it's Periclesis by the name of Philippus Aurelius Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohenheim. Oh my gosh. Woo! What a name. And he was a German Swiss physician and alchemist who established the role of chemistry in medicine. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Which, I, which, huh. Well, we'll have to come back to that. Like, yeah. His, hmm. his, his name makes sense when we learn more about him. Yeah. All right. So what were your first impressions of Hohenheim? Um, I did not like him. Um, I, I was definitely like on Ed's side. Like, yeah, I was like, this dumb guy ditched his kids and his wife and gave literally at least no reason to his no explanation. And he didn't never came back. And then he just like and then he just like shows up and like Ed is like clearly angry and upset with him and he just has like no reaction yeah. like it's Plus, just i didn't I don't know. trust him because yeah. he looks too much like father to me yeah you totally thought he was i mean we don't know yet but yeah but it, it was seems suspicious that he was he was father i i i i wasn't so sure but i don't know i just we'll have to find out i there's just something very you could have good reasoning for leaving. And then there are other shows and movies where a guy has good reasons for leaving his family behind. Or or a woman. But, but in this case, it's just like, if I'm going to like you, you have to give me a dang good reason for leaving mm-hmm. your, your young children behind and your wife. So don't, you know, Jerry's still out. Jerry's still out. Yeah, yeah. Just needless to say, Ed, first impression was not great. <laughs> no although i mean he did have some good moments where he 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 basically he like told ed you ran away from your mm-hmm. problems you know well, he's so. got he's got some humanity so that yeah. made, me, made me wonder what's up with him i am curious mm-hmm. but yeah moving on to animation um my main comment is that it was beautiful so there's those scenes with the rain um, I couldn't tell for sure, but I think there was one shot where they used a multi-plane uh, camera uh, to add depth to the scene, which is like a, a technique that Disney developed, and it was just, oh, it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I also like how they had the rain interact with the characters, like soaking their hair, making it darker, and you can mm-hmm. see droplets like rolling off the ends of their hair, especially with Ed's gorgeous golden mane. Yes. <laughs> I really loved that scene. <laughs> um, and then I thought I would talk about give a little bit of a I guess anatomy lesson because like um Panaka was able to tell right away, like, oh, this is this is a male based on the pelvis. And from my memories in uh from anatomy, um like the difference between like the female and male pelvis, like females they're typically their pelvises are thinner and less dense and then also it's wider and kind of shallow 
and also kind of a oval or rounded rounded shape like the inside and that's so that uh the babies the babies can uh can squeeze by um, <laughs> and then and then uh male pelvises are usually um like heart shaped and like the, the inside um and then uh they're more narrow because they don't they don't need to have to to have room for babies um <laughs> um and then also just another interesting interesting thing i don't think we don't see I don't think we see this in the bones that they're looking at, but the the coccyx, which is like the the also called the tailbone, um, it is in the males. It's usually um, like projected inwards, and it doesn't move. And so, like obviously, a baby would never be able to fit through. It, it would be <laughs> like it would be like get scratched by the by the tailbone. Um, and then uh, females, their tailbones. Um, they are actually flexible and they're like straighter. So they don't like point inward. Hmm. So kind of interesting. Didn't know the flexible thing. I didn't learn that in bio, but yeah, hmm. that is interesting. Hmm. So interesting. If you're, if you're ever, if you're ever um, trying to figure out if a skeleton is male or female, you always look, look at the, look at the pelvis. You'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. I'll be using that knowledge soon. <laughs> Okay. You, never, you never know. You might be <laughs> about to say you might be digging a hole in your backyard and unearth. <laughs> yeah. So uh story elements analysis. There's the important uh part of meeting a parent in this story. So you may have noticed, but a lot of protagonists in, in fiction are missing parents. And mm-hmm. it's a classic Disney thing to do as well. But um, honestly, it's just a classic story thing of like give them some hardship yeah like missing one or both parents so it is surprising to see ed actually meeting his father because you thought oh maybe he's an orphan like a lot of other anime shonen protagonists but to be fair he is like other protagonists like like gone from hunter hunter where he has a father he's just absent but now he's back so why is he suddenly here? This must mean something. Where is the story going to go? So it just opens up a lot of questions and it's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this episode, I, I will say it's very, very different from the last episode. Like, um, the episode was, the last episode was very action-packed, but this one is, you you learn a lot. I guess it kind of, it gives a new direction to the story yeah. or like, you know, opens up, opens up some new things. I don't know. It yeah. You know what? New coming things off, to be explored, I guess. Right. Coming off the high of la- last episode, it's almost not fair. Cause I think a lot of people would be like, Oh, episode 19 is one of my favorites. And they forget mm-hmm. all about episode 20, but story wise and character wise, I wouldn't say I like this one better. That would be a stretch, mm-hmm. but there are certain moments where I'm like this is so important for the series as a whole. It is it is up there on my list of favorite episodes from this series. Yeah. Yeah, I I I enjoy it. I I definitely enjoy it more than some of the other episodes where like not a lot happens. Mm-hmm. I think we just learn we just learn a lot in this and so it's exciting to see what's going to happen next. Yeah.
Uh, all right. That was that was the end. Uh, Megan, what was your uh, what was your favorite line? Uh, mine came from Al when he said, "You know, you and brother always got to be the first to explode. I never get the chance to be the one to get mad." Which I relate to hardcore. <laughs> it's always kind of scary when the people who never get mad get mad. So I have seen fear in people's eyes when I have yelled, <laughs> which is very rare. And it's it's delicious to see the like, fear. I have all this power. Fear me. Well, I'm I'm generally <laughs> no. an easygoing person and I try not to yeah. cause waves. I'm I'm I avoid conflict like the plague, but uh yep. there are some things that can set me off and yeah, people notice when I have a mood change. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm guessing yeah. the same for you too. Yeah, I don't I don't uh get angry often and it's even more rare that I will yell. Like if I do get angry, it's more of like the like mm, simmering like rage beneath the surface <laughs> like yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah I can't remember the last time I like yelled <laughs> I don't know if I really yeah probably when I was still in high school I don't know it's been a long time uh, all right. All right. what was what was your favorite line of the episode yes mine came from Pinaco and and I kind of already said it but it was when um Honheim was warning her to leave and she's just like meh this country's lousy with terrible things I just I don't know I just I love that and honestly I kind of relate to it too like when life is just like piling things on and just kind of like eh, whatever it is what it is you know this is fine all right what was the more what was what did we learn in this episode digging up the past to find the truth even when it's painful is important i mean of course there are there are uh stipulations to that but mm-hmm. sometimes you gotta look behind you in order to move forward. I know people say leave the past behind you and keep going on, but you can learn from the past, and mm-hmm. sometimes it is kind of painful. What's that Lion King quote? It's like the past can hurt, but you can either you can either um, regret it or learn from it, or something like that. It's something Rafiki said. Mm, I don't remember, but I like um, this kind of related. Um, um so this um uh, ed in the manga he says an alchemist is someone who seeks the truth i can't look at what's convenient and, and ignore everything else kind of reminded me of the of what of what we each picked as the as the yeah. um, well the moral of the episode i think it's an important life lesson because yeah you could yeah. lie to yourself and remain ignorant or you could face facts and and learn and grow mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's what I like. That's what I like about this show is that, like, it's, I don't know, in a lot of, in a lot of shonen, it's all about, like, getting physically stronger and, like, I don't know, leveling up. And here it's more learning, learning, to learning be a from, human. yeah, learn, yeah, learning what it is to be human and, and becoming stronger, not, not so much physically, but, like, 
mentally and emotionally and it's kind of it's refreshing yes it's comforting as as much as I love to see power-ups in other shonen like I also I also love this um all right and who pushed the story forward in this episode Hohenheim and Ed father and son so uh, Hohenheim was the one who suggested that Trisha wasn't in the human transmutation, and he challenged Ed's line of thinking, and then Ed took the necessary steps to confront his mistake and learn from it, which, kudos to him, I'm not sure if I would have the guts to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, as powerful as it was, it was really hard to watch, and like, I, yeah, I don't know if I was in that situation, I don't know if I would want to know because but at the same time you'd always have that regret of not knowing so yeah it was a good he he made the right choice yes Um, yes for sure but yeah that's that's the end um next week uh is we're going to be releasing an episode on tuesday as usual but it's valentine's day so we have a special episode um, I will let yeah. Megan explain what it is because it's kind of her her brainchild. <laughs> That's my baby. Um, so <laughs> we're taking a hiatus from the normal episodes based on brotherhood, and we're doing this special thing. It's an episode, but it has also a video that we will post on YouTube that you can check out too. We're we're having a special guest, so my friend Ava, who was also a roommate of mine in college. Um, who Megan, she kind of know each other through me. So mm-hmm. we all got together and did a little discussion about fictional crushes, which I know that sounds cringy, but we based it off of a YouTuber called Emirichu, who did some videos that are very cute and very funny and kind of wholesome at times. But um, yeah, it, it was just a goofy, fun time. So I hope that You'll tune into that episode. It's a little longer, but it's super fun. And um, I'm working hard mm-hmm. on the video to go with that on our YouTube channel. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun if you guys check it out. And maybe we did talk about Full Metal a little bit. You'll have to find out. <laughs> other shows? Yes. Anyway, check out our um instagram for memes and art and episode announcements um it's at full metal beyond the gate and then also if you have any questions or comments you can dm us or um email us at at full metal <laughs> beyond the gate at gmail.com and yeah check out our youtube channel as well megan has been uploading stuff on it so trying to catch up I'm trying, guys. (laughs) All right. We will be back next week with our special um, Valentine's episode. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.